So we've been talking about the apocalypse and studying Matthew chapter 24. We'll continue along that same bent, but maybe in a more meandering way. Last time we finished up Matthew chapter 24 and we ran into the, the, the rapture teaching, possibly a tradition of man, and we started to explore that. And as we continually explore that further and see where that takes us, the book, uh, the, the three Gospels, Mark, Luke, and Matthew, they're, they're the so-called synoptic Gospels. They're very similar, so not identical, but very similar in their style and their tone. Uh, John is completely different than the other three. But many common things happen in the synoptic Gospels. One of them is this teaching of the apocalypse. It appears in Matthew 24. Mark 13 and Luke 21, though Luke 21 is probably a repeat, or not a repeat, probably an earlier sermon during the same day. Let's look at Mark 13. You don't have to turn there. We'll just go for the, the last verse. It's arranged a little different than Matthew 24, and there's no no problem in this because this is two different people hearing the same thing. If we all repeat what we heard today and we all heard the same thing, our version of it would be a little different. The Gospel of Mark is most likely the eyewitness of Peter, the Apostle Peter, and the Gospel of Matthew is the eyewitness of the Apostle by that same name. So this is the very last verses of Mark 13. Uh, it's uh, the 34th verse. It says, The Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for you know not when the master of the house cometh, at the evening or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. So there at the, the end of this apocalyptic message concerning the end of days, the, the last command is to watch. So how do we do that? Every, every generation has received this same command. When we first started this Bible study back in January, say, it, it was dark days in my opinion. It was in the heart of winter. The coronavirus uh, seemed to be raging. All the lockdowns and, and things were in effect. And all, in our personal lives, many of us had many hardships. And then they come into the spring and the summer and then, to me, things seem to lighten up, and I think to all people it seemed to lighten up, and things came uh, almost back to normal. Uh, on the TV, they were crowing about their vaccine <laughs> and uh, how it was going to return everything. In the political sphere, uh, there was less rancor, open rancor. The, uh, the news media kind of took a break from, from stirring the flames of division. Um, but as a student of history, you, as you have to be if you are 
a student of the Bible because we must understand how we came to be in the place where we are now. It, it stands out that this is a totally unique time in history. If we went back to the time before Christ, a thousand years, and we came all the way up to, say, the year 1800, you could transplant a person from any of those time frames and they would basically understand what was going on. They wouldn't understand the politics of, of a particular country or whatnot. If we took a person from any time in history up into 1800, they would basically understand what was going on so far as the technologies and stuff. I mean, there would be some advancement in technology. However, if you took any of those people and transplanted them into this time, it would be totally alien to them. We can go into space, we can see people instantaneously around the world. And they would even actually recognize some things up into the mid-1950s. But after that, things become very, very different, and they become very different rapidly. People who have studied the apocalypse and, the, and the, the end of time, they were basically all studying the same thing. History would change, but politics would change, but basically all things were the same. Now we have technologies that were beyond imagination. They came about extremely rapidly, all within our own lifetimes. Once we die, the people who are born before let's say 19 or after 1995 will have no concept of what it was like prior they will have the internet they will have instant communication with anywhere on the globe also their whole lives any utterance they ever make will most likely be cataloged forever or as long as there's electricity this is something totally new so as we watch cannot help but observe how much different this is. It's kind of like a frog who is put in a pot and it slowly heats. You don't really realize you're being boiled to death until it is too late. So while we do not concentrate too much on the end of time because we must learn and, and during that time of relative, relative peace throughout the spring and the summer, uh, we were able to go to Proverbs and also see some teachings of uh, of Christ on how to live our daily lives, and these were good. But as it stands now, things have, have come back, and they, they are, in my opinion, it is a, a dark time again. Let's look at this and see how it relates, or see how it could possibly relate. Because we're just watching, remember, we're speculating, and we see how the Bible says these things will happen and they will happen as it is written but we must be aware of our surroundings so that we can see how that it applies the bible has come down to us from thousands of years ago it is totally unique uh, when the hebrews put pen to paper and, and wrote it down they wrote it down diligently but a thing that stands out in it is that they do not really cut theirself any slack as you would think of somebody who's writing their own history. They would write how great they are, but that does not happen. God generally tells them how bad they are and how He overlooks it regardless. 
it seems now that plague is piling upon plague, and yet the world has not repented and it has not went back. The, the Bible is clear on the will of the Lord. It is clear. Many, most people do not care to, to read it. Most people have never read it. And even Christians that go to church every Sunday, they have very little idea of what it says. The preacher tells them one thing and gives them a feel-good message and then they eat dinner, in my opinion. But uh, very few actually study the Word of God. So as we study it, we know that Lord God makes certain promises that if we do this, He will do that. And if we disobey His Word, He will do this also. One place where this is uh, extremely clear, and for you guys, this will be your homework. Read Leviticus chapter 26 during the week. I'm going to summarize it for you. Leviticus chapter 26, the first two verses are God's commandments. Basically, the commandment, you should not have any other God before the Lord thy God. And uh, basically summarizes the whole of the Ten Commandments. And then for the next 11 verses, he tells them how if they do these things, all the blessings they will receive. And then for the next 28 verses, he tells them what he's going to do to them if uh, if they don't. And each thing, he gives them a time in between that they should repent and turn back. And when they do not, he pile, will pile more curses upon them. And so that goes on for 28 verses. And then for the last five verses, after he's basically annihilated them, those that are left, he offers them repentance and how he will make things good again for them. As we begin to talk about things going on now, basically there's two main things happening right as we speak. The first one I'll, I'll choose to start with the uh, the Delta variant of the of the coronavirus seems to be much more contagious this is worse than it's ever been here and I'm assuming it's everywhere else it is as the angel of death stands over us at any moment this thing exhibits the symptoms of all common colds all colds that we've had our whole life yet it certain points it can strike down even young and healthy people there seems to be no rhyme or reason to it though some some things are, are higher risk factors than others to me it's kind of telling that they started naming it by the al the greek alphabet it was by where it originated but then that just according to them it discriminated against whatever country of origin so they begin giving it Greek alphabet names for each variant. Now we're up to Lambda and Epsilon, but in my mind it cued a very powerful passage from the Bible, from the book of Revelation in the first chapter when the Apostle John has given his first introduction to the book, written to the seven churches. Revelation 4.1 says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before His throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is a faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, 
unto him that love us and washed us from our sins with his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds and every eye shall see him. Remember, there will be no question when he returns. Is he here or is he there? Every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord, which is, which was, and which is to come. This eighth verse, I am the Alpha. I am is the word, is the name of God. When Moses met the Lord in the burning bush, he said, Who are thou, Lord? And he said, I am. That is his name. Alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega is the last. He is the beginning, the end, and all that is in between. Now, I do not say that these Greek letters or, or naming of the coronavirus have things to do with this particular verse. However, it brought this to mind. But many will say that this virus is not from God. I, however, I say it is directly from God. It is a punishment upon the world because of its, not because, but its uniqueness makes it very potent to do certain things it's it's killing power is not great but it is great enough that it causes severe disruption to a modern way of life a beast system if you would because this system that we live under is completely different than it was say prior to 1950 i'll go into this in further lectures how our system of supply uh shipping economics energy are completely different and they they work very efficiently whenever they there's no problem but when a problem is introduced it creates the potential for systemic risk where the whole thing can collapse and we are totally dependent on this system so would the lord god send the plague on people well, of course he would. And throughout the Bible, he's used plagues many times. I think he killed like 24,000 of the children of Israel in one day with plagues. But it, it, it reminds me of Leviticus chapter 26 that we just spoke of. I'll go to 26 to the 23rd verse. And the things in this 26th chapter that the Lord says He will do to those who are not obedient are extremely terrifying i know of no other uh, threats in literature that are much worse than these and uh, if we take the bible as the unerrant word of god which it is then this is, should frighten anyone leviticus chapter 26 23 says if you will not be, he's already done some bad things to them because of their disobedience. And he continues on. And if you will not be reformed by me, by these things, and but will walk contrary unto me, then will I also walk contrary unto you and will 
punish you yet seven times for your sins. And I will bring a sword upon you in vengeance and avenge the quarrel of my covenant. What is his covenant? His covenant is with us through Jesus Christ, but most would mock that now. Most of the people on Twitter and things like that and all the intellectuals, they mock that. And again, when you are gathered together within your cities, I will send the pestilence among you and you shall be delivered into the hand of the enemy. Pestilence here is a plague. When we're gathered, it'll send us into a plague. And then it continues on from here about if we will not listen. And pretty soon, we're down to eating all our own children because of our starvation. And this has happened in the past in ancient Israel. And it could easily happen in these times, though people do not believe it because they have not studied supply systems. So there it is straight from the word of the Lord. The Lord God will send plagues and pestilences upon the people who disobey. The very last verse of this chapter seals it, makes it legal. It said The verdict 46 verse said, These are the statutes and the judgments and the laws which the Lord made between Him and the children of Israel in Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. So even these are not the words of Moses, they are the words of the Lord God written by Moses. Because remember, Moses did not take it easy even on himself in the writing of these first five books. Many times, uh, Moses did not say what a great man he was. He was a, a man of stammering lips and he, he did not think that he could do the things that the Lord God told him to do. Remember, this was a very small nation and he was surrounded by his enemies. Yet, this book has endured as a testament to the power of the Lord God and it comes down to us even today and this is the most printed book in the world. If this were not true, it could have disappeared 2,000 years ago if these people wandering in the wilderness had just made this up, but they did not make it up. The Lord God came to them and chose them to bring forth His Word and to be an example for all people. So, we have the coronavirus wreaking havoc now. We, we expect to probably see more lockdowns or whatever. And we're going to have continuing strife between those... It becomes a political issue, you know. Uh, there's legitimate concerns about the vaccine, but soon vaccines and masks will become a, uh, a divisive point, especially as the virus rages on. The maskless and the unvaccinated will be blamed, even though they put faith in their scientists that they were going to save us. And three months ago, the scientists had saved us. Yet here we are again. The scientists did not save us. Whenever I, things began to, to get better, I said to myself, are we going back to normal? And then I thought and I thought upon the promises that the Lord God made and I knew that we were not going back to normal. And I had a, a, a strong feeling, though nobody other than reading the Bible knows the future. I've seen history and especially the way people acted once they went into the first lockdown 
and everybody went online uh, into cities and through much of the world, everybody were no longer focused out. They went into the internet where every sin known to man is. And they just sit there and they festered for four months. And when they came out, they burned down the cities. And they did not repent. Instead, they doubled down and tripled down. Now, you can't figure out what's a man or a woman. You got to, uh, you, you have to tread lightly anytime you say anything about abominable acts. Yes, it's, uh, and the tide has turned. Uh, Twenty years, ten years ago, most people would have followed the the commandments of God, but now the tide has switched, and it will not go back until uh, a shaking is done. Those who follow the Bible will soon become the enemy, as the Bible says they will. But they had that time to repent. They did not. They doubled down on their wickedness. And then they went to their scientists who are their gods, their gods of knowledge now. And they said, our scientists have saved us. But here we are again. But now they say, well, it, it helps some. And maybe it does. I do not dispute that. But they have not conquered it. They don't even know what it is. They don't know how it transmits. From reading news articles, you, you get this. They do not have a clue they think because of how similar viruses transmit that it does this, but they have they do not know, but they act like they do. It's going to cause many problems, it would seem. The second major thing is the United States within the last few days in Afghanistan, it is uh it has fallen, though the pullout has been in effect for some time. The rapidness which uh, the Taliban recaptured this is a black eye. By anybody's reckoning on the United States, there have been countless blood and treasure spilled in that land. And obviously, it could not stay there forever and prop up a, a government. But the rapidness which it fell to uh, over the weekend, they were saying... Kabul may fall in two weeks. Later that night, the Taliban were in the presidential palace. Mm-hmm. Have you seen people fall off the plane? Yes. Yeah, the, the, they were all happy riding along the plane, uh, but obviously these are backwood farmers. Anybody that's seen modern aircraft should know that you can't hang on to one. But it is reminiscent of uh, American involvement in Vietnam. Uh, there's even pictures of the helicopters, same type of helicopters, lifting the the people off the U.S. Embassy in Afghanistan as there was in 1975 mm-hmm. after uh, in the embassy in Saigon. However, it took a few years for, for South Vietnam to fall after uh, American troops pulled out there. Here, American troops hadn't even pulled out, and the country has fallen. Uh, Russia and China will use this as a uh, a way to mock the United States. Right now, there are actually funny videos coming out of Afghanistan of the Taliban going into gyms, and they can't even figure out how to use the gym equipment, and they're working out, and they're like running the, the exercise bikes backwards, and they're having a good old time. And 
there's a video of them flying in a helicopter they've stolen and they're having a good time flying in the helicopter. But 